I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots, welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions. With me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm your host. I don't know a fucking thing, and that's why we're here. I don't know why I did that. Um, I guess I'm an old comic now. If you're new to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review it on iTunes. Thank you to those who have reviewed it already. Reviewing helps other people find the podcast, and that helps more people learn answers to their ignorant questions, and that is so important. So thank you so, 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 so much to everyone who has reviewed. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, go ahead and do that, or maybe listen to the episode. Find out if you want to subscribe, but I feel like you should, you know? Uh, shout out to my best idiots forever, Gene and Kathy from Patreon. Um, if you want to join my Patreon, patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. Um, you get cool postcards uh, with my hashtag where in the world is JMS. And we do cool Google Hangs. We have fun talks. And oh, and you can get priority for your questions getting asked, among other things. And uh, the most important, bonus episodes where I talk shit about everyone I know. That's not true at all, but... Isn't that, doesn't that sound juicy? Like, ooh, who will, like, what if I just <laughs> talked shit about every guest? And I'm like, and now for the bonus where we talk shit about every guest that we've had since the last bonus episode. I hated them and I thought they were a piece of shit. Um, that wouldn't happen because I, um, I love all my guests, truly. Um, and if I, uh, if I'm frustrated with any of them, I genuinely do share that in the Patreon content. So if that's your thing, I mean, see a therapist, but go ahead and, uh, you know, throw me a dollar while you're at it since I'm giving you free content anyway, motherfucker. Uh, you want to see me live? JMSComedy.com slash shows. I'm in Los Angeles a lot. You can always check the Comedy Store's website. I'm there multiple nights every week, among other places in Los Angeles when I am in town. And uh, touring coming up, Reno, San Francisco. And I will be near Vancouver, Canada later in the summer. But... Uh, if you don't already know, I've lightened my tour schedule this year to focus on uh, Los Angeles, doing projects here, and trying to live and be a human and love myself. So, <laughs> what a fucking loser I am. Uh, but it's going well, I think. And uh, we might touch on this in this episode, I can't remember. But it is a great episode. Let's get to it. You guys, I have my friend Joe Welker, who um, I know through stand-up comedy, um, but he is making a huge life transition, moving from L.A. to Boston, where he will be attending the Harvard School of Divinity. Can you fucking believe it? Harvard University. Um, and he's going to become a minister for the Unitarian Universalist Church, which is a sect of Christianity. Uh, but they're sort of, I think. Wait, we talk about it in the episode. Uh, you'll find out. But it's like an open-minded... Uh, pretty cool church where you can you know speak about things uh i adore joe he's a great guy he had me on his podcast choose your own religion that episode will be out soon he's had me on before back when he used to do the format where each guest literally would make rules and invent a religion and mine was uh either love or loveology or something of that nature the church of love because um i believe god is love if there is a god and uh 
It flows through all of us, and I'm a hippie asshole somehow. I am not an asshole. I'm a. I'm just a human being. Uh, I'm a human trying. So, uh, yeah, he has so many interesting thoughts about religion. He's very well uh, educated in a variety of uh, religions and their texts and their roots and how they're all similar, how they're all different. And he's going to do more of that and learn to become a minister, which is fucking cool. Like what a, it it seems like a seamless transition for someone who feels called to it, uh, in my opinion. And I have always enjoyed conversations with conversations with him about, uh, philosophy, life, religion, spirituality. We connect, uh, a lot on those topics. And he's someone I have always felt comfortable sort of opening up about my experiences and my thoughts on, uh, the concept of God or the universe, etc., etc. We've talked ad nauseum. Uh, maybe I've just talked at him about uh, my experiences, uh, my awakenings through mushrooms, and he has listened and offered some cool perspective on that as well. Um, but this episode is all about him and uh, his decision and what led him to become uh, a person who is going to become a minister in 2019. My God, uh, especially as someone who was involved in comedy, which can be... Uh, a largely uh, cynical atheist community sometimes. Um, yeah. So I'll shut the fuck up. Here it is. Joe Welker and Unitarian... Uni- oh, God. You, you. Uh-huh. I refer to my religion as me, me, um, jokingly, which I may have cut out of the episode. And if not, it's right at the beginning, so I apologize because I just ruined that for you. Unitarian Universalist Ministry with Joe Welker. Enjoy. I'm here with Joe Welker, and he's amazing. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for what uh, a weird intro. <laughs> that was great. Um, we're gonna. Ju- I just want to dive in, you guys. Okay, so I've already probably given some background in the intro at this point. So let's just get into it. So yeah. are you? You we met doing comedy. Uh huh. Um, it's been a few years. Um, are you? Are you still doing comedy at all? By the way, I do uh, storytelling, which is you know the. <laughs> the homeless man stand up. <laughs> <laughs> the homeless man stand up. Uh, so to speak. No, I mean I do I do storytelling, but it's heavily influenced by my stand up. Okay. I, you know, it's, it's sto- there's a lot of stand ups who do storytelling just as their stand up anyway yeah. too, right? Like, yeah, there are like storytelling comics. I think uh, yeah. I think Ari Shafir is a great storytelling comic. Yeah, like uh, Burt Kreischer. Burt Kreischer is amazing. Yeah, so like I'm not, so Tom I'm pretty, has great I'm pretty much Burt Kreischer. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> and career and everything. Yeah. It just it, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like this is my tour bus. You drive away in like a Corolla. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but okay. no, so yeah, I do storytelling, and then I haven't really done a pure stand-up set in probably like six months or so. Really, it's just yeah. all been like storytelling. Yeah, it's kind of where I've uh, I focused. Well, what I got into storytelling a few years ago. Um, I was looking for ways to like stretch my stand-up legs and uh, you know try different art forms to absolutely figure out different mediums. And what I found. I loved about storytelling is as a person who can be uh, very sentimental and uh, a sad boy yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Emotional. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Emotional. That's a better way to <laughs> better way to frame it. Uh, but no, I felt like storytelling was a, a pussy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That's the, the word I was going for. Uh, but I felt like storytelling was a container that allowed me to not have to go for a laugh all the time. Yeah. Where you don't feel that like, 
oh, if I don't, I like so many laughs per minute. Right. Where you're like, it can sit. You can sit with stuff. Or like, I have to undercut every sentimental thing I say with like, uh, like, whoa, that made me want to kill myself. <laughs> I don't know why right. I think that's funny. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, but now that being said, I still do. I totally think taking the shit out of myself and uh, is a very important thing. Yeah. Something I still do in my stories. I just don't have to do it like every other beat. Yeah, you sense. don't feel so like the pressure to have like so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt like I was trying to force a lot of um, either thoughts or events in my life through the uh, through a stand-up lens that didn't always fit for that medium. Yeah, like you're like, this is not a thing that can just be punched very like real hard. Right. Which <laughs> is actually, and you know, uh, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette is sort of like a good example of like people backlash. Like some people are like, that's not stand up because she wasn't yeah. being funny the whole time. And I'm like, see, that's why I don't do stand up. Like, that's anymore. why I don't do stand up. <laughs> uh, Manette. I just cop out and yeah, Manette. <laughs> <laughs> I cry on stage and uh-huh. then. I mean, no, I th- I think it's great because I, uh, I like the idea of exploring other art forms. I did that with my one woman show where I was like, yeah, even even just calling it something else sort mm-hmm. of gives yourself permission to not be worried if you're not crushing you know that it's like oh yeah no the audience is just listening and that's actually okay like that's it's not a mark of my ability that they're not laughing right 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 um it gets like it gets some uh it takes some practice getting used to like oh silence isn't a bad thing yeah you know learning to get used to that silence is I, i mean as a comedian it's a lot of work but then just i think it's a good it's good work for life yeah you know being able to like find peace and stillness yeah that's as a pastor that'll probably be a growing edge for me is like <laughs> being able to like feel like oh they're not saying anything this could mean i'm killing <laughs> yeah that's so funny well i guess this is a good segue into that since you said it but like it's just so funny the idea to think of a pastor getting going like off the it's not called a stage is it uh what is it, it called oh yeah <laughs> It's and going more, and just going backstage. I, I mean, pulpit is just like a, it's just a little individualized stage. Yeah, and just being I fucking killed out there. <laughs> Hell yeah, God, I did it. Sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you are going to be a pastor. That's the plan. Was yeah. that always the plan? Oh no, no, absolutely not. Okay, so did you? Um, did you grow up religious? So my dad actually is a pastor. <gasps> oh, uh, shit. He's a Presbyterian minister. Uh, Presbyterians are, uh, well, they can be a lot of different. They can be all over the place politically, but we happen to be pretty moderate, liber- like solidly liberal, but not like super progressive. If I, yeah. had, to, like, if I had to put us in a box, <laughs> yeah. my okay. sweet parents. So basically, we're like God is love, don't worry about hell type of. Christians. Don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Okay, so you grew up constantly in the church then. Oh, yeah. And Every Sunday. Yeah. yeah, wow. And so Presbyterians, I uh, grew up with, like, lazy Catholics. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, our pre- priests? Jesus, it's been so... <laughs> 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 no pun. Um, it's been so long that I'm like, what are they called? They, like, didn't have wives. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Um, have you stayed religious throughout your so, entire like? Definitely not. Uh, okay. So I guess I'll give this is the the. Give point me a little synopsis a, of yeah, t- uh, your religious <laughs> journey. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because I actually had to kind of articulate this f- 
when I was applying for divinity schools and seminaries was that part of that is like your essay basically like why do you want to be a pastor like yeah. what's your what's your deal man that's <laughs> like, so crazy what is your whole thing so my uh, the truncated version of that grew up really religious but pretty positive I didn't have as much of like the baggage about like oh I'm going to hell or anything like that but like um somewhere so in college I was a religious studies major University of North Carolina so were you on the, were you thinking you were gonna at that time no well actually so something when I was 17 18 I thought maybe but I really didn't want to mostly because I didn't want to follow my dad's footsteps yeah you're like I don't just want to do what my dad did that's I mean yeah corny <laughs> who does that but like but really, though, <laughs> then, like, then everyone's going to think that I'm just a pastor because my dad was a pastor and that I didn't earn it. I mean, there is. Some, is there the nepotism in that? I think it's. Uh, are you familiar with the Enneagram at all? What is the Enneagram? It's a whole personality uh, system. It's it sound. Look, listen, if I try to explain it, it's going to sound like crazy, like Love crazy it. woo woo stuff. It's really great. Highly recommend everybody get into it. E N N E A E N E A G R A M. OK, it's Enneagram. not. It's a. It's like Myers Briggs, but it has a lot more to breakdowns it. For, and stuff. A lot more breakdowns. Is it like a uh, test? It's there are tests for it, but it's more of like here are there. It's a it's a way that it describes nine different personality like types, archetypes? Okay. archetypes, right? And there's healthy manifestations and unhealthy manifestations. It's basically just a way for you to better understand your own core drives and emotions and, and the things that could manifest negatively. Right, and I how. Feel like a, seen this once but probably it's gotten more uh in vogue the past couple like i'm sure i think i saw it like on an instagram post wormhole where i was like what's my thing there's a ton of there's a ton of podcasts out there a ton of good books on it a ton of free resources on it too you don't have to like there's no over like yeah don't go pay for like a test to see yeah definitely not. what's my personality uh stupid (laughs) you waste money and actually i don't (laughs) recommend people taking a test to figure it out anyway i recommend you like read all the different types that are out there anyway i don't want to get yeah no i think that's great but my enneagram type is a type four which means i'm an individualist uh which is really a painful thing for an individualist to admit is that they're an archetype (laughs) oh wait uh, now i'm like ooh, i feel like i might have some type four vibes i think a lot of stand-ups are type four yeah Um, that would make sense but one so i think that was kind of what was starting to happen was like i felt like my skills maybe lined up for it and obviously it's like it's almost like being an old uh like in the old days, everybody would follow in their father's like yeah, trade. Yeah, it's like, just well, like I that's saw- your last name, right? Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, you like you see your dad make chairs for eighteen years. You're like, well, I know how to make chairs. Like I know how to survive. Yeah, you you're know? like, so I'll just make chairs. Right. That's what I do. So I'm just making bastard stuff. I'm making people believe. <laughs> making holy. Uh- I'm just <laughs> making the world a better place. But also, I mean, with the church and stuff, especially having a personality like that, you go. I mean. Saying your religion is such a specific identity thing that you put on yourself going like, I'm a Presbyterian. And then to go like, I'm a Presbyterian pastor is like, wow, that's so that's such a thing, like Mm -hmm. such a type. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see why you'd be like, I don't know. Well, and what happened was in in, uh, undergrad, I was at the University of North Carolina. I kind of took religious studies by accident. I didn't mean to go to go go Targills. I was just taking some classes for a prereq, um, and I was like, oh, I actually am liking the reading. So I'm actually doing the reading. I took a religious studies as a one of the electives you, know, electives you yeah. had to do, and it, that's what I chose. But it was my one of my last semesters, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> I would have taken way more of these classes. This is awesome. 
Mm-hmm. But anyways, keep going. Yeah, so I, I, I had that feeling too. And then it was actually through the course. And I was still involved with um, Presbyterian stuff my first two years of college. And then... Okay. But it was through um, actually studying. I took two different courses, one on the Old Testament, one on the t- New Testament under uh, Dr. Bart Ehrman. And uh, they really... This happens to a lot of Christian pastors in seminary, but they won't talk about it. But it really <laughs> deconstructs your faith because you realize, like, oh, the Bible, Moses didn't write the first five books. Like, I'm sorry, y'all. Moses almost definitely did not write the first five books. I'm like, we can <laughs> we can hedge it with like, well, we don't know, but like, we we're pretty sure Moses himself <laughs> did not write. Moses didn't write shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like it was like the 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 first five books of the Bible were written. Most academics believe we hedge it with that. Uh, scholars, the scholarly consensus is that there are four main sources that were all mixed together okay. and inter- interwoven. Long story short, I started realizing like, oh man, this is like a man-made religion more than I was led to believe. Yeah. Um, and also that I had just been born a Christian and always, I'd stayed a Christian just because it was what I had always been, but I hadn't really, when I started really thinking about it, like, I don't think if I was not raised a Christian, I would be one. I don't think I would like walk in off the street being like, and oh, be yeah, like, this, oh makes, this sense. makes sense. Yeah. Which is, which was painful because so many to this day, I have so many friends who are Presbyterians, a lot of friends who are Presbyterian pastors now because I was friends with these like turbo religious nerds. Yeah. <laughs> you dorks. I miss you guys. <laughs> I mean, really? And there still are some of the most loving, excellent people that I, that I know. And so it was like this huge cognitive dissonance between like, well, these are some awesome people, and yet, man, I really just can't buy in. Yeah, you're like, I feel like anymore. it's a little bit of brainwashing. <laughs> yeah, like, but like a benevolent brainwashing. Yeah, it's like with a good, it's for the yeah, it was like truly a good, like they actually like, did good. They're not like the we world. gotta brainwash these babies into following us. They're just like, no, you're safe here, and right? You're in the arms of Jesus. Exactly. So I, most of my twenties, um, and I moved out here shortly after. I thought I was gonna go to law school. Like I after after college i thought i was gonna go to law school will be a lawyer uh started doing stand-up while i was in north carolina and working at a law firm realized like oh i hate hate this. law yeah <laughs> um and so uh yeah and i found stand-up when i fell in love with it this is years before the enneagram which is why i was like oh i'm when i was reading my type i'm like i'm definitely a type four damn it, it was like it was really, I felt so alive with stand-up being able to be authentic and be myself and be like, oh, I can talk about anything I you want. You could share those thoughts that you felt sort of like you couldn't even bring up to your friends that uh-huh. maybe were like uh-huh. so in the religion that you're like, you're not even. A hundred percent. I can't say this to you. You'd be like, what? You? Why would you think that? Well, exactly. Or and say I, that. And I feel like that's one of the great things about stand-up is being able to affirm those like dark thoughts yeah well that's the thing and and i think we (laughs) no no absolutely and i think that like we're in a slippery time with the whole pc culture thing or like the censoring of stuff where it's like yeah you we can talk about like what's inappropriate or what like you can try to teach people you know to love people more but to just like try to silence those thoughts or pretend like you've never had this creep up and be like hey i know that this isn't probably right but does anyone else ever like just Get so mad they think about like hitting people over the head with a baseball <laughs> bat. I don't, but I feel like other people have rage issues. <clears throat> well, and I <laughs> and I feel like a lot of those, with a lot of the, that kind of thing, it's like coercion just doesn't usually work. Um, no, you can't just bully people into being good people. <laughs> it's usually counterproductive, and so I I do 
kind of fall under um, this belief. And one thing about Unitarian Universalism, which is cool, is that... Um, and that's your religion. That is my, my You subscribe religion. to. Right. Yeah. Um, subscribe to Universe... <laughs> Wait, what does it say again? Uni- subscribe I- on iTunes. Unitarian... Uh, Unitarian Universalism. Unitarian Universalism. I keep being like Universalist Unitarianism. <laughs> but one, one aspect of it that really appealed to me when I was first discovering it was... Um, part of part of uh, one of their values is freedom of the pulpit and freedom of the pew, meaning pastors are able to speak freely their mind yeah. from the pulpit. And also, it goes both ways, that people who are in the pews, the congregants, are able to speak their mind freely and be like, I don't think I don't, you're right, pastor. I don't agree with that. Do they do yeah. that in the oh, church? Yeah. People do that all the time. Is that like a... Not like in the middle of it, but like... Yeah, After, but the afterwards, the people definitely get pastor. You, you pastors have definitely gotten uh, lots and and lots of questions, feedback, questions. Over That's there. so interesting. Well, is it like? I mean, I feel like that. Is it, it with speak freely in the sense of how do I want to phrase this? Because I feel like with stand up. The the best stand up is people who speak like comes from people who speak freely and they right. share their thoughts. Right. But then there is this sort of like, but you know, if you say the wrong thing, you might get canceled. Yeah. Do, is that? Do you think that's not that that's a staple of the church itself, but in the back of the minds of like as being a pastor, is there still a? I think so. I mean, I'm not a little a, like can I? <sighs> well, how I, freely can I get t- here? Totally. And I'm not a uh, I'm not a pastor yet, so I haven't and I haven't given. A sermon I haven't led. So you don't really know that feeling. I don't know what that actually ends up practically looking like. Um, I mean, I definitely felt that feeling doing stand-up too. Yeah, where you like have a thought you want to share, but you're like, is this going to get me like exiled from the open mic community? So (laughs) and and so that's what makes me think it's less about anything that has to do with stuff like that is more culture-wide than anything about the subcultures within it per se. I mean, because even the most one thing with stand-up is that even though it's supposedly like this is the most free speech platform, I mean that that's the that's the nature of free speech, right? Is that people also have the freedom to speak. The freedom back to, to you. be like, I don't yeah. like that you said that, <laughs> right? And, so or whatever. But um, but so anyway, so back to my back to me. Yeah, uh, no, it is about you. I'm sorry, sorry. I derail because I'm just so no, I'm so I, into this. I love tangents. I love derailing. Uh, um, you you. So I was I left Christianity most of my time in here in Los Angeles. Past eight years, I was. Uh, doing my I was always interested in like religion I got really into eastern spirituality for a lot of that yeah so you're just um, kind of exploring other things yeah I was I was I got really into Alan Watts like initially him like talking about Buddhism and uh, Hinduism Taoism Zen really found a home in Zen for a while because Zen is like a pretty stripped down version of Buddhism um it's I I'm gonna say things that are like huge generalizations and now i'm also that's okay that's what this podcast is all about well and the uh, because i'm like yeah what is zen i don't even well here's the unfortunate part about me going to a divinity school where there are people of lots of different backgrounds is that uh, <laughs> what a sentence i'm gonna say <laughs> that's what i'm using <laughs> here's the unfortunate part of is that i i have to like I have to. I, I, somebody's going to be able to fact check me on what I say. And they're going to be like, "That's not." Yeah, because other having, people have been just <laughs> as much into religion. You'll be like, "Oh, but that's." I think that's also great because. No, it is great. What an opportunity to learn from other people, who are just as invested as as opposed to you've been on sort of this solo journey, where it's sometimes when you're so deeply into something, you try to talk about it to other people, you do end up sharing that information, which is great. But there's no one to kind of 
get into the deep discourse because right. like they don't know about me. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, actually, it's, like, it's not really. Actually, you're so fucking wrong. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I am, obviously, I'm joking. Like, steel sharpens steel, iron, whatever, iron sharpens iron. Like, yeah, of course. Being held accountable for what I say, a great thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little but, scary. And so, but, like, with Zen in particular, I mean, trying to describe exactly what it is sometimes you get some people say by describing it you get further away from what it actually is kind of it's just zen practitioners have basically just been about like just sit like just do the sitting meditation it's okay wait is it i know nothing of zen i've never read it i just hear the terms is it like buddhism without the whole worrying about the readings of buddha more like or less, the, because yeah. that's where I and, with, and without that's like, what I always assume. I'm like, I feel like I'm Buddhist, but like without the doctrine. It's basically Buddhism without the doctrine. Like that I don't need to check into Buddha. I just exist. <laughs> it's almost we're all Buddha, so I don't really feel like. Yeah, yeah. No, if I had to characterize it historical, the historically, I believe especially Japanese Zen was this way. It was almost not just non-creedal, uh, non-doctrinal, but like almost anti-doctrinal. Like the Zen like masters would like. Their whole teaching style, a lot of them, was you would try to, like, give some spiritual answer and they'd be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, they'd be, like, classically, they were kind of, oh my like, God, I think that's what my spiritual assholes. What? <laughs> you know? Like, they were, like, people, there's all these, um, have you ever heard of koans? Koans, no. So, koans are the, uh, they were the, quote, unquote, scripture of a lot of Zen masters, still are, I guess. And uh, they, they're they basically, like, riddles, like, little, they're called cases, like, it mean, or riddles slash so there, there would be situations that would intentionally cause you to be like, what? Like, what? I don't understand. Oh, wow. Like, one um, one is being like, somebody was like, oh, I, I want to, like, master, what should I, like, what should I do? And he's like, have you washed your bowl? And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, then, like, put it away or something. Like, it's something, it's that something you're, like, so. you're supposed to be like, so a, a, a student will get this, get a koan. They'll get a case that they have to, like, sit with and try to figure out. And then they'll like bring it, like they'll check in with the Zen master and be like, "Oh, I figured out. This is what it means." And he'd be like, "You're an idiot." No. And then eventually, what I've again, this is all. Total and then eventually, hearsay. figure out that there's nothing to figure out. More or less, from what I've <laughs> no. gathered. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. Like again, this is all hearsay. Somebody who knows more what they're talking about, please. That's okay. Don't me on this. I give a disclaimer on all my podcasts yeah, too I that mean, I'm like, this person <laughs> is not speaking for the world. Right. Uh, so, but that's essentially what I've gathered is that. Eventually, you do something when the, you get frustrated as a Zen student. And be like, this guy is just an asshole. He's just like he doesn't even care about me. And eventually, you do something s- genuinely spontaneous, and he's like, "All right, cool, you got it." Like, and you're like, "Oh, oh, there's nothing to get." He's yeah, because like, it's like, "Oh yeah, no, you're just supposed to exist." Right, but I like, but I bet now there's even like a meta game of it where if you try to go and be like, "Ha, I know there's nothing to it," and he's like, "Well, no, you're wrong. Now you're and still now you're wrong. doing the thing. Yeah, you're just you're trying. What you're trying to do. Yeah." So what I loved about Zen was that sort of like popping of our own bullshit type of thing. Yes. And um, constantly, constantly assessing like where am I like inventing something that's not actually based in reality, whereas ultimate fundamental reality is really emptiness. Um, yeah. If form and emptiness, emptiness and form is a common Zen oh, phrase. Wow. Uh, just realizing that even the things that have form to them have a fundamental underlying emptiness, but the underlying emptiness also has a form to it too. It's a it's very paradoxical, um, but I think a lot of good spirituality is paradoxical. Absolutely. It forces our rational brain to sort of... Sorry, there's a giant wasp over there and it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> no worries. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> We're on a mountain. We are on a mountain. I love that we're doing this up here. This is really great. Speaking uh, of Zen. But um 
anyway, so I found a I found a home with Zen for a while because of that. And at some point though, I think and I think I also discovered like bhakti yoga, which is sort of like a it's not a physical yoga, but it's it's a way of aligning your own kind of thoughts and intentions towards like <laughs> a devotion oh, of love. Bhakti yoga. What bhakti. is it? Just like a like a meditational. It's so it's what um that's really the the school that Ramdas comes from. No, you're ah, familiar with Ramdas. I am familiar with Ramdas, and I um, think it might be from doing your podcast. Pr- probably, I think. Oh, you know, I or think that's right. I did your podcast right when I was just getting into that stuff. I still have your copy of Be Here Now. Keep it, please keep it. Ah, uh, it was a gift. Uh, ah, you're the best. But um, he uh, so that's I kind of was getting into that, and then that's when I started realizing like. There is a fundamental emptiness. There is, there is an, em- but there is. What's the form that I want to put into that emptiness? Because there is a blank slate. You know, it's like the positive view of nihilism, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know what. Where you're like, no, the the positive spin on like, yeah, nothing matters. So just do what makes you happy, or you know what I right. mean. It's Create like your own meaning. Finding a way to go. Yeah, if nothing matters, then there's no pressure. Right. Right. And which so, is kind. It, which is beautiful when you look at it like that. And w- if nothing matters, slash, if there's, um, no. if there is a fundamental emptiness, I can kind of choose to put in this container what I want to put into it. And so I. That's kind of early, late 2016. I kind of had that realization, and so most of 2017, I, I did a project where I was going to a different. I was like, I need to find a spiritual community of some. So kind. were you just looking at different spiritual communities? Once a week, I either had a different. I w- either went to a different church slash community slash had like a, a practice or well uh, yeah and like sometimes I could go to a concert and like write about it and like think about it in spiritual like what is this how is this like a church yeah because yeah. I mean that for some people music is their like oh yeah I mean religion I mean that song by Marin Morris it's a country song but she just talks about turning on the radio and driving it the song is called My Church and it's uh-huh. just like. I guess that's my church. Yeah. It's just like zipping somebody out just your sent, car. Somebody just sent me that song. It's yeah, a, it's a I, great song. It's, it's a pretty good song. Um, as far as country music goes, it's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? I love country music. Well, uh, it's yeah. to the point that I, like, my taste in music versus, like, my friends who I know are, like, music guru in on, like, the scene and know what's good mm-hmm. is so bad for all those people <laughs> that it's to the point that if I hear a song I'm like I like this song I'm like this must be bad music yeah. this must be what music people would be like this is objectively terrible garbage. <laughs> but well that's I've, as a fish fan I totally understand <laughs> uh, that feeling all but that well. concept is great so you were going once a week yeah so once a week every weekend more or less I tried to well I, either during the week or on the weekend I would go to a different place and I, a lot of them I went to intentionally places I knew I wouldn't like like super fundamentalist places like there's actually a place in highland park that's called like the pillar of fire church Jesus, it's like one of five (laughs) yeah right i keep doing that i'm not doing it on purpose well so as as you might gather uh pretty progressive no i'm just kidding no it's Uh, it's like hell fire brimstone type of thing there you know what's actually odd is um even in that even going there i found i found they broke a lot of stereotypes of what you know you have in your mind of what all they what they all a monolith of what all uh all evangelicals look like but i found out through them now there are only like five surviving pillar of fire churches in the u.s jesus but they have some interesting roots in that they're almost evangelical feminists like they were started by a woman and like they they were really started oh. by like these like um what you call it not <laughs> like the evangelical versions of suffragettes oh like oh, temperance yeah. movement type people okay um but yeah there is a lot of like uh 
Hellfire stuff, a lot of uh, Manifest Destiny in their hymns, which is oh. strange. Like, a lot of the hymns are talking explicitly about how, like, we need to, like, you know, harvest our resources here in the U.S. I'm like, okay. this is, like... And, uh, and, you know... Interesting. But it was... I was also struck by, like... There was only six people in the, <laughs> in the evening I went to. <laughs> uh, That's but, the whole church. Yeah. But I was also like, man, these people are, like, really invested in each other and in the community. And I can appreciate that. Like, and the like, community aspects. Like, they care about one another. And they, they know each other because it's a small community, maybe. Like, yeah, their political beliefs and their under, their belief on how the world was made and functions is extremely different. From, like, could not be more different from mine. Wow. Um, was this, like, technically a Christian sect? Oh, yeah. Definitely, sect? definitely Christian. Um, yeah. Did you write about all of these? So I did write about them, but I took my blog down because I want to make it into a book. Oh, okay, uh, no, because I was gonna be like, yeah. "This should be a book." I'm glad. Um, you're like, and I had to hide it from my divinity applications. Mean- <laughs> um, no, wow. So it wasn't. You didn't just do Christian, though. No, no. I mean, at you all. said you went to like other things too. Not at all. Music. Did you go to like all the big ones? Like all um, the big ones. Uh, made it to a mosque. Made it to. I mean, one of the things I talked about in one of my. Uh, one of my seminary essays was uh, I visited a uh, what's it called the um, for a synagogue a synagogue visited, <laughs> like a the synagogue. Jew church right <laughs> uh, and I was really struck by it, it actually I accidentally walked in and crashed this kid's bar mitzvah <laughs> uh, I didn't realize that's what was happening that Saturday uh, but it was like what's this kid's bar mitzvah and I'm like well I have to go I said I would go to a thing each yeah, like each I guess weekend. I'm just at a yeah. stranger's bar mitzvah now so I mean I mean yeah and it was like three hours long which I was not prepared for but I was like every hour that went by I'm like screw it I'm just gonna like dig it I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna hang in here that's so crazy um but what was cool was that the kid um who he said like you get the chance to give a speech during yeah. the bar mitzvah and he's like he's like thank you to all my relatives who came out here uh this is a really big day for me um but it's not really a religious day for me because i don't believe in god he's Whoa. At this, at bar mitzvah. and people just kind of like laughed there wasn't like thunder didn't strike the church there wasn't even like tension they're just like okay everybody just kind of like chuckled like that's that's the kid that's that's how we kids. know him. That's that, we're like, like we knew that's what he would kind of say. Yeah, like that's him. Yeah. Yeah. And so that struck me, and I've I'd heard kind of this about certain um, certain uh, like what the movements within Judaism branches are less, of Judaism, yeah, are less um, stringent on like your beliefs on that type of stuff. And some get really strict, and some get right. And so it was just inspiring to be and be like, wow, there's like these people are so invested in each other and the like. And they're still like into the rituals and still into like preserving their traditions, but without such a tight grip on. And this is exactly how you have to view. Yeah, this, like fear of God. And right. And so I was. Um, I didn't stay for their their like meal afterwards. I felt yeah. like that would be a little too. Like, I'm not gonna. Cra- I'm not gonna totally crash. <laughs> I'm not gonna like yeah do that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I was that did kind of like start affirming in me like. I don't just want to find community. Like, it's just really important, I think, for more people to find community. I visited a, a Unitarian Universalist church in the course of that, actually pretty early on. Did you know about much about you? I didn't know anything, point? really. Um, I had read what was on their website and was like, oh, that sounds more or less, sounds good. Yeah, whatever. I know. I looked at the website briefly right before I interviewed, and it was like, okay, this sounds, yeah. and this when sounds I, cool. And when I went, it was, um, it was very strange, and it still is a little... Um, a little strange because it's the form is still very similar. Most U- Unitarian Universalist churches are still it, it, 
it's kind of like the format in the it's the same format of a protestant church but without a lot of the same language and the same, like so there will be like hymns and sermons okay um but instead of talking about like god the father and jesus as like his son it's more like they, <laughs> some people i heard somebody describe it as like inspiring ted talks almost <laughs> or, like, that's so funny just using spiritually inclusive language um yeah where it's not yeah okay spiritually inclusive i'm just pulling up questions for oh yeah yeah, yeah by the way so it doesn't look like i'm just like texting <laughs> on my phone <laughs> no worries um and so there is a um it's an interesting so th- th- uh, to back up a little bit so unitarian universalism gets its name from two different branches of christianity that were pretty like heretical for their time okay so 200 200 years ago uh there was a movement in new england of people who were in these congregationalist churches which were churches that were like self-governed um and a lot of them started having ideas that like well maybe jesus isn't the son of god and i'm not sure if the bible actually has it actually supports the idea of a trinity because the the trinity was a concept came up with by the council of nicaea more or less oh Uh, that is that the council that uh made the bible yeah and they're like get thomas out of here i'm not sure if they were the ones who decided the trinity or not again something i will know hopefully uh in the coming years but um i know somewhere around there was when the trinity was um kind of devised as like how can we resolve the tension and like believing god is holy and jesus is also part of god etc yeah okay so unitarians were kind of like i'm not so sure about that and actually somebody made fun of them like oh you guys are they're trying to like be like oh they're just a bunch of unitarians they're not trinitarians and then one pastor uh william ellery channing was like yeah, I think I think we are Unitarians actually. Like they just they t- decided like to they tried to like be like you guys don't care about the Trinity. And you're like yeah no like I yeah we we don't. They just totally embraced that like That's label. That's so funny. Um and so what it kind of and a lot of Ralph Waldo Emerson was a Unitarian pastor briefly. Oh um, really? Mm-hmm. There, I a lot love of, him. A lot of transcendentalists were Unitarians because what it basically came down to was, um seeing that there what they believe there was a god and that everything that on the earth was had a relationship but jesus didn't have a have a particularly like divine Special. relationship when i've was still always like felt like that i'm like yeah we're all god's children right right why why is it so special that he's his son if we're all his children like, i mean that's kind of how i started feeling too and uh apparently that's how these these folks felt uh 200 years ago and Again, using pointing to te- Jesus as like, oh, he's clearly a special teacher. Like he's clearly had some insider knowledge that like other people. Like he had a, he was a revolutionary. Yeah, he was forward thinking for the time. Right, but not necessarily. He God was open minds. Yeah. Right. Um, he was more in touch with whatever God is. So that was that happened around 200 years ago. Also, somewhere in the 19th century, the Universalists, the Christian Universalists, became a thing, and um, they basically believe that you didn't have to believe in God to be saved, that God saved the universalism comes from the idea that universal salvation, God saves everybody. But he's like, he loves you either way. He loves everyone in the world. Nobody, there's nobody's going to hell. There's nothing to worry about. I like that God. So like, (laughs) so as you might imagine, these people were pretty radical for their time to like 1800, like imagine people in the 1800s being like, no, like the, the people, like nobody's going to hell. Like, 
hella stupid. Yeah, like, God, <laughs> God is cares about all of us. Right. It would be foolish. Like, it doesn't make any sense for God to send people to hell who never heard about God. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like, why would you suffer for a thing you don't even know about? Well, why would you give an? Why would an infinite being give an infinite punishment for a finite being for doing yeah. finite things? Right? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so anyway, around 1961 is when the Unitarians and Universalists basically decided to merge together. By this point, they basically um, they came up with, like, what are some binding, or not binding, but what are some principles we can agree on? What are some, they can sort of be where are we drawing our wisdom from? What What is it, what do we stand for? What are our values? And one of those values was being um, a non-creedal tradition, meaning there's no creed that anybody has to sign up to be a Unitarian Universalist. There's nothing okay. you have to believe. It's a lot, there's a lot of different ways to talk about it, but one model you might think of is like it's a place for us to do our individual search for truth and meaning in a community I, it's together. like a community for that so it's like yeah oh people you can talk to about these like questions and about like the things you feel like yeah. i believe in something but yeah a place to talk about theology and like the way the universe is and about other religions and, and kind of I mean, some people might say we like cherry pick <laughs> religions, that we, but that's like not a bad thing. Cherry yeah, no, it's good. like that's everyone's like the things that make sense to you are what you end up believing, you know. And I, as somebody who went through a lot of like studied the other religions, uh, you know, as a layperson and now uh, as a soon-to-be grad student, like I love taking things from. I love incorporating this sort of like that Zen form and emptiness, emptiness and form thing, but putting it. I, I happen to think that Christianity has, they've done a lot of good things of figuring out how to structure their own communities. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying, obviously, there are a lot of, uh, an endless list of bad shit they've done and yeah. damage they've done too under that same model. But I, having experienced what a liberal uh, Christian community feels like, I know that's, I, I know that's really important to me to try to manifest that in some way. But without, the needing to sign up saying, I believe in this, that dunk this, me in the this. water. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what, um, made me become a Unitarian Universalist. Yeah. And, um, so in that search, you said you saw you, you went to one of those churches pretty early on. Yeah. I went to one, I went to a neighborhood Unitarian Universalist church in uh, Pasadena and, but that was like my third or fourth week. And so I had yeah. like this whole year to like explore other things too. Was it always in the back of your mind? You're like, she's the one. Kind of. <laughs> um, or did you have a few that you were like, well, this makes sense too. There were, I'm a big, like, I'm a, I can be a big hippie. So like a lot of like, there's a yeah. lot of like new age type of stuff. Like I got really into um, this, uh, now I really sound like a hippie, but this, this, uh, meditative dance practice oh my god that's amazing i didn't know that that's a thing yeah uh called five rhythms ecstatic dance i think is similar which you may have heard of ecstatic but dance five rhythms is a specific um kind of version of that where there's no move there's no like literal moves but it's like there are five quote-unquote like archetypes of rhythms five rhythms which are um if i can remember them they are uh staccato flowing chaos lyrical and still stillness and they all kind of integrate with they work with masculine and feminine energy wow and so staccato is like this masculine energy and uh flowing is feminine energy chaos is the fusion of the two uh. Ly lyrical is kind of like that but with a little bit more airiness a little bit more like bringing it to god uh, so okay. to speak. 
gods. And when I say God, I mean, quote unquote, God, not like a God, the father, a guy in the sky, yeah. right, bring it to our divinity. And then stillness isn't, me- isn't literally meaning like be completely still, but like feeling that spaciousness again. Yeah. Um, the calmness. And also I, another disclaimer that, um, maybe it doesn't have to be said, but I, I will say it anyway. When I say feminine and masculine, I don't mean like men can't have feminine energy. I mean, really the whole point of it is for everybody to play with different archetypes of what it, it's just these, se- these two separate things, a yin and yang kind of. Right. But, and also the blurring of the lines between those two. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I was really into that, but I, I, I again, I kept, what I kept coming around to, well, also by the end of it, I didn't just want to find my own. I started becoming really passionate. I'm like, man, I really feel like our generation in particular has thrown the baby of community out with the bathwater of bad religion. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like it was, I still feel like it's really important for people to find something that works for them. And it may not be Unitarian Universalism. It could be um, any number. There's number so many things. There's, there's so many, so many things, me. but it's like finding that community. Yeah, I think there's something really important there that we were missing and that we, it's like, and, and I, I think th- one of the struggles is that we get a lot of our, we can get, we're b- before the internet and stuff, if you wanted to get any spiritual teachings, you either had to have a book or you had to like go, go in somewhere. person to like hear Yeah, no, it's easy it. to isolate yourself while trying to learn about spirituality yeah. and that's, just through, yeah, through, that's hard. Through podcasts like this one. Exactly. <laughs> no, mine. and uh, just, you know, the, just the internet. Right. And so you can get a lot of that. You can actually get a lot of your intellectual, so to speak, spiritual needs. Yeah, but you can't that. get the full feel of, I mean, there is just, is just something about being able to come together with, even if it's like like-minded, but also just people who are driven toward the same curiosities as you. Humans need humans, man. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> a it's a need. It's not, you know, it's like it's, it's somewhere in that hierarchical thing, right? Yeah. Social interaction. You'll die without it. I mean, I it it definitely um it can definitely help with depression. That's for yeah. Sure. You can definitely um, like like go yeah oh for sure well and i also found that like even through digital interactions and digital communities we're not quite they're great don't get me wrong and i'm like so thankful for the internet i wouldn't be where i am without the internet absolutely Um, who would be not this (laughs) podcast (laughs) right um but man there it's not it's not everything yeah it's um, not the same as like a personal connection yeah, and I think the challenge is that it's diff- the internet has made us like accustomed to finding people who almost exactly believe what we believe. So yeah, it's like, and then you get in this like echo chamber. Right, and so when I come to Unitarian Universalist churches, it's a lot of people who don't see things exactly the way I see, and there might be an initial resistance to that, be like, "Oh, these people." But you know what I found <laughs> was like when <laughs> I visited all, visiting all those uh, fifty whatever uh, churches communities I did none of them 100% fit with me. There's no. not There's not one. I don't really think there's a single place that can fully, gra- and again, maybe that's my type four individuality. No, but I, I but mean, I think that's probably true for most people. They just, I, I would gather more people in religions or that like subscribe to specific religions. It, it fits with enough of them and the community is supportive. So it's almost like, yeah. And or I, are there's people who just like, this is what I am and they choose to just believe the things that they're told they're supposed to believe you know i'm gonna workshop this concept that i just came up with it just came to my mind but it's almost like being in a spiritual community is like it's like interpersonal yoga it's like learning how to stretch 
your ability to disagree with people. Yeah, and also having the uh, having the space to grow in that way where you can learn that you can disagree with people and it still like love them and be in a community with them because I think and I don't know I think the internet internet maybe exacerbates this because of the whole echo chambery single mindedness you can slip into or maybe it's just like social nature it's easy for people to take disagreement as like dislike and it's like oh you have a different opinion than me well I fucking don't want to hang out with you because you're difficult and yeah. it's like you know I like still like you I just think the Lakers are stupid or whatever <laughs> and you know what's cool is that that when you if you are willing if both people are willing to stay in relationship you can actually come to a crazy level of trust and be like oh wow like we can't actually love like I'm not <laughs> my mind hasn't changed but like, like but I still love you and and like now I know that like they're not gonna just walk away because they disagree with I me. mean finding that's an amazing feeling is going like oh I I can oh in relationships I can I literally can't even imagine just the <laughs> the freedom of getting to the point where I where I'm like oh I can have different you're not gonna leave me because I sometimes listen to Kenny Chesney. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of my um one of my mentors, Reverend Ed Bacon, who's an Episcopalian priest, he wrote this book called The Eight Habits of Love. That Bacon? Read Ed Bacon, yeah. That's amazing. Uh, Eight Habits of Love. He's a great, great pastor. Um, but one of the, one of the habits of love, as it were, is candor, is this a- idea of like telling the truth to somebody is an act of love to that person. Now, there's the caveats yes. that, like, you, you can you need to not be an asshole, basically. Yeah, you don't have to go out of your way to tell someone who doesn't need to, I don't know. Well, it's couching your truth in a framework of, like, love. Like, of I, consideration. I like putting, like, little sandwiches of, like, I love you. I'm with you. I disagree here. I love you. I'm with you. Yeah, you like, know? I love you. I support you. I wish you didn't do so much cocaine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also, I lo- I want the final but thing. But I, I love you, and I, ju- you know, I want you to be healthy, but I love you, and I'm here for you either way. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's powerful. So that that's the kind of communities I want to foster as a pastor. And what's cool about Unitarian Universalism is that every congregation is different. It's also kind of the challenge is like, what's the UU church? Like, well, it's like, you kind of have to just show up to your local one to kind of find out, figure it out. Yeah. Um, well, they, and they are, a lot of them have a Protestant service feel, which I would also, I would encourage. And I know a lot of other, uh, a lot of my colleagues slash future colleagues slash current pastors also want to like help us stretch our own legs. Like, getting to different forms of worship and engaging with more because we we affirm the wisdom we have six sources of wisdom so to speak that we all um agree to sort of confirm again it's not a it's not a doctrine it's not a creed nobody's like gonna this like, is sort of like what we want aspire these are to our do. values right that yeah. we kind of agree to um there's a lot of you use can also get very nitpicky on the specific language so that's why i like find myself catching myself on how like these aren't really things we agree to they're not it's but, not doctrine, but these are kind of our principles of, it's like a company's vision. Well, we have, yeah, we have seven principles uh, and six sources of wisdom. And among those sources are like science and reason. Ah, do you guys hear that? That's amazing. Science? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot, it, it, what happens in practice is there's a lot of atheists and a lot of agnostics in our church. It's, 
that's some one way as I phrase it. It's like church without God, but also you can have God if you like. But if you God. like God, you can bring you can God. Keep God. Yeah, uh, God can be here too. He's he's invited. But it's also it's a way for um it's a, a lot of we again we have a lot of atheists and humanists and um agnostic spiritual but not religious folks but <laughs> and some religious but not spiritual folks who don't like the the word of spirituality they yeah it's like, kind of nonsense like more <laughs> rituals <laughs> <You're> right <laughs> um but uh so we we affirm uh christian and jewish teachings that uh teach us to love our neighbor as ourselves we affirm wisdom from the world's religions we affirm paganism there's a lot of pagans in our midst to um there are pagans in our midst i love that <laughs> there are pagans in our midst uh so yeah th- it's um i don't even know what paganism is <laughs> paganism is basically <laughs> uh it's okay i i didn't know much about it before i it's like became. is it something about christmas trees <laughs> well the trees part because pagans are really into nature oh. uh, pag- <laughs> <laughs> pagans are like yes the christmas tree the important part is the tree okay. not the christmas part <laughs> uh but no pagans are an earth-centered um they're, they're the people who would be their idea of a celebration is celebrating solstice and like ah. connecting everything like through so funny my idea of celebrating solstice comes from growing up in alaska where we would have a summer solstice festival and people would get shit faced because the sun doesn't set yes yeah, so yeah i'm a pagan you're basically a pagan uh, <laughs> more miller genuine draft let's praise the sun right but it, i mean from what i understand uh it, it comes from you know historically humans of lots of different cultures would worship like oh it's not winter anymore thank god yeah let's the thank s- the sun's back this, yeah thank you for returning to us sweet sweet sun so i mean yes but unironically right? yeah <laughs> i mean it makes sense like worshiping nature is, or like not worshiping but giving thanks to yeah. like what you have around you is that, that makes sense to me so that's that's an important value to a lot of unitarian universalists um is and it's it's a Again, it's a place where, like, I don't, I may not identify as any one thing, or I might identify as, like, ten different things as far as, like, I, I'm, like, I am a pantheist, I'm a Christian, I'm a Buddhist, a bad, probably a bad version of all of those. Yeah! But, So um, you're just, like, this is the church I fall under. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what was, there was a certain They should have of, that uh, on dating apps. So I stopped checking off 800 boxes <laughs> under religion. Right. <laughs> I got off dating apps. I couldn't handle it, but yeah, me, me too. Uh, <laughs> and but anyway, uh, so yeah, somewhere around there, after finding it and feeling a call to, uh, also I was having, you know, stand up hadn't gone exactly how I wanted it to. I'd had yeah. my own issues with it. I started getting them into more storytelling. I just it's a confluence of things that started aligning that be making me realize like yeah, when did this calling happen? You know, it's kind of like if you ask a lot of people when they like stopped, what's the moment that made you stop believing in God? They can't really give you one answer. There's not like, it's the same way where there's not necessarily one specific moment. It wasn't like I was up here on this mountain and And you're like, I'm a minister. (laughs) (laughs) I will teach. And then people like, shut up. (laughs) No, but it's, it's just an incremental thing. There's lots of little things, little signs along the way, signs that, you know, something I had to start looking for, um, and something I had to really mature into in my twenties. When I came to LA, all I wanted to do was stand up. That was all. That's like my only thing. And I wanted. I was like, regardless, basically, of what the universe tells me, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so I will ignore you. Right. And so I was ignoring the signs of the universe, being like, maybe this isn't really like your. Maybe this isn't where your. 
personal proclivities and like disposition can shine the can best. shine because I'm I'm can a very I can't be a very sensitive person. I'm very there's a lot of things that are not I'm not well suited for with stand up. Yes, yeah, a lot um, of stand up comedians you you have it's like a rugged you have to be a little like hardened I think. And stand up. There's times for me yeah. that I get like. <laughs> not mean. <laughs> like, yeah. sort of like, but the majority of my material when is more making fun of me than anyone else because I'm like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I just want us to laugh. I think that's why I always like loved you and loved your stand up. It resonated with you. Oh, thanks. Well, that's the thing yeah. is like, I've written for people for roast things, but like, anytime if I have to roast someone, I'm like, ah, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> I don't want right. to. This is, uh, I don't want to say this mean thing about you. Totally. Um, and I'm, I'm very much the same way. And um, so it was like, you know, and I, I so admire you and your career and like. Oh, thank you. It's like so it's been so cool to watch from a very far distance, like your your progression and like getting a, being a paid regular at the store. It's like is fucking cool. crazy. That's my church, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, it is. I think it really I think. Stand up can be at a certain. I, that's definitely something I talked about. And, and I don't know if that's like good like, or bad, but keep going. It has. It, there's definitely the the store is absolutely has serves a lot of functions of a church. Yeah, no, no question about it. I, I worry because like to some people it it seems like a cult. I think. Oh, probably from an outside scary perspective. But I think even the act of stand up comedy in general, which is a weird thing to say, because I also never want to make it. I mean, I, I don't put it on this, like, pedestal of, like, stand-up comedy is the way, the truth. But even the act of performing stand-up for me is very meditative. Like, it, a couple years... I didn't realize till a couple of years ago, maybe within the last two, how doing stand-up is one of the very few times I am... Uh, until I started meditating, I am actually present. When, you know, there's obviously sets where that's not true, where I'm in my head and I'm showcasing and I have to make sure I hit all these specific fucking jokes or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I'm just in a set, like in the OR at one o'clock, I'm never more myself and present and with the world around me than like 1.15 in the morning in the original room, <laughs> just surrounded by a bunch of fucking drunk slobs. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, yes, this is freeing. I mean, I I totally get that. And I think one thing that made me love stand up for so long was that it, it puts you in that flow state sort of experience. And there is a, even though the process of like coming up with material and like preparing can be very ego intensive. Yeah. Um, the actual act of performing well requires an egolessness. Yeah. No, it feels like, I mean, there, yeah, you have to have that. Yeah. That for the writing and the creating, you do have to, especially if you're talking about yourself and your own journey within your stand up, but like, it does feel, and maybe that, maybe there is some ego or narcissism in that, like in it's, saying that, but going like, it does feel like giving when you're doing, when you're having a good set and the audience is just experiencing joy from what you're doing. It's like, oh, I'm able to turn my weird, creepy brain into this gift for people who are like, I just want to, I just want to stop thinking about my fucking problems and yeah. laugh at yours. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think too, like. I say ego intensive uh, with stand up, but that doesn't necessarily mean egotistical. It's just yeah. like ego is the thing you're playing with. It's the yes. it's the material. So like when you do well, the thing you have to care about, you right. know what I mean? So it's like that's why like doing I mean, you're early in stand up and you're like bad at it. It's like so egotistical and it's so narcissistic. Because you're like, it's hurting me so bad to bomb. Well, and you and you don't have the perspective of the ego, whereas like the, I think the more experience you get and this is what like we all 
when people are laughing at our self-deprecation, it's because we've put our ego in proper perspective. Yes. So it's actually not egotistical, but it is using your ego as the fodder for the yeah, thing. Yeah, to create the material. That's a better way to phrase it, I guess. And, you know, and, like, I remember my the best sets I performed, um, I was, like, you're riding a wave, right? And it's, like, surfing, and it's, like, when things pop up, you're able to handle it with an egolessness. And whenever I bombed, it was... I would handle it with it was a hundred percent ego, yeah, <laughs> and where fear and yeah, yeah, where you're just when it's going well, you're just taking things as they come, and you're like, this is life, and I'm gonna go this pow, direction. Pow, 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 pow. No, it feel. I mean, when you have a good set, it feel. I, I have no idea, um, like not even the slightest idea how the fuck to conduct like <laughs> an orchestra, uh-huh. but it feels like like it feels like you're doing almost emotional magic where you're just like existing, where you're just like yeah, you're it, you're so present that everything's just sort of flowing through you naturally and nothing's getting caught up because you're staying in the moment. Yeah. And just, just, you really are just sort of taking one step at a time totally. and it's working because you're not going, oh, watch this next step. You're just like, this is just where it goes and that's where it's going. Yeah. So it's like, that's like the, if I could distinguish it, that's like the spiritual practice and then the community is the store. So that's like your, but you can also, you could be a spiritual practitioner of stand up, but also make, I don't know, a Christian church, your community. Like there's different Absolutely. other, there's, there's a lot of, you know, we've, we sometimes have a tendency to like tie in or want to like pin the spiritual practice to the community because, and it makes sense because the people in this community are also doing that spiritual practice. So yeah, yeah it make totally makes sense. And that's why there's like definitely a lot of benefits to be gained from that. And that's why actually a lot of Unitarian Universalists will be involved in like another community in addition to their because, like, as a UU, sometimes it's, like, this is where I show up to, like, where we have to use language that everybody can get on board regardless of spiritual practice or yeah. doesn't like spirituality. And then sometimes I need to go to, like, places where, like, oh, we're going to do our hippie dancing. Like, uh, you, you do the thing I like and, but, I, and you get it. But I have found if you don't have the principle, in my experience, but if you don't have the principles of community beforehand, like when some not – not even gonna even shit on my five rhythms hippie dancing communities but like there's other there's other there can be other communities where like if you don't have a the solid fundamentals of like this is how we are going to agree to live with one another um eventually you run into the problems that's when you run into the cult stuff that's when you run into yeah. like, there's one person at the top who has a very like who who anoints certain people that have power and there's no breaking into that like upper level structure circle. yeah, yeah. um and uh, and, then, and there's also benefit. I will say there's there are definitely benefits to doing things that way too. As like if you have organizationally, the, it keeps things. I mean, yeah. If the leader's great, then it works great. You yeah, know? you're like, yeah, it's, a, it's structure. It's nice. But what happens when that person, you know, dies or dies, and on, then you know? pandemonium, and people don't know what to do because they've been led for so long. Right. So that's that's um, more or less why what brought me around to. Unitarian Universalism. Also, I felt like it was a place where I didn't have to like change my podcast. Like the Choose Your Own Religion basically fits like, fits that perfectly. You didn't feel like you had to hide who you are, right? And um, I felt like my experience with um, performing, I mean, lends me to at least get a head start on like how to preach a sermon. To I preach think. a sermon, do you think you'll probably tie in humor and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think I could not yeah you're like it's just in it's in you well and i I also hope that like that hardening you're talking about with stand-up i think that has happened with me to some degree Um, yeah sometimes i get overly sentimental still on my facebook posts but well uh, no that's well this that's why this is i mean me too i'm fucking i 
got off my regular Facebook for a while, but I dump emotionally on the internet all the time or yeah. just in general. That's why this is so fascinating to me that you're moving into this like field where like that is part of it is just being open because I worry about that because there's so much I want to talk about on stage that I'm like, I don't know how to make this super funny. And there's things that I didn't think I could make funny that I have, but I mean, I've always liked the idea of, I'm like, I don't know. I would like to just like speak about things yeah. that, and, and you know, people feel good cause they don't feel alone in these thoughts without the pressure of like, uh, it, like the idea, it's not a specific goal of mine, but I don't dislike the idea of evolving into something where, you know, maybe it like, I'm, it's not all always funny, but being able to speak about things. I would love to do, like, have a Jesus-y life. That's mm-hmm. such a fucking, like, Jesus. I just don't have many examples. <laughs> but just, like, to speak and have people, like, want to listen and feel heard and be able to be emotion, like, openly emotional or talk about these deep thoughts yeah. without the pressure of being funny. What if I told you that your podcast is already doing that? <sighs> what? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I guess, like, I guess that is my, out- I guess that is sort of. I didn't. I did want an outlet. I didn't even put this. My podcast. It's not even under comedy because I wanted to alleviate that pressure for myself. Because I knew, yes. I knew if I, I kept it under comedy, I was every interview I was gonna have the like pressure that I was like, I gotta fucking funny this up. Or, Same here. Yeah. Or yes. or avoid some guests that wouldn't be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this is my church. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Well, it's a it's a play. It's I that just as I found just, like fitting everything in the me- in one medium doesn't necessarily work, work. super great. But yeah. it, to having m- multiple things that I can be like, oh, yeah, this this works well for this. This doesn't work well for that. Oh, and being able to, yeah, and, and that just encompasses the whole aspect of, you know, realizing there are multiple facets to who you are. I can go on stage and have, you know, like machine gun punchlines and yeah. say filthy things, which I still do, you know, off stage. But So I, act- I actually see myself getting somewhat into – the stand-up a little bit just for as a i'm gonna be a filthy hobbyist in boston i think oh that'll be fun just going to open mics because i want to just for like the just to be like i want to just do some jokes no and you You know know? what i've always said because stand-up has such a place in my heart like i am and i don't know how much is healthy and i'm like how i'm sure there's a part of it like i feel drawn to it i think this is what i'm meant to do but then I'm, i'm like is a little bit of this like an addictive compulsion but i feel like even if i got to the point where Something something crazy happened where I never had to worry about money again. Whereas, like, I am set. Uh-huh. I would still do stand-up. At least a little, but probably still at the frequency that I do it. Yeah. Because I love it. It's like, when people are like, I have to get in my morning run, I'm like, I have to get on stage. You know, and I should probably get in a morning round. You but. know, as somebody who uh, I've been addicted to everything, more or less, in my, not, <laughs> not literally everything, uh, but I've been addicted to a lot of different I get addicted to stuff if oh, I'm not too. careful. And but emotions, people. But I also know I can be disciplined in a lot of different ways and discipline actually is really important and good for me. And really the only difference between addiction and discipline is like I feel like I get addicted to the discipline. Is it just a yeah, different addiction? I think well, I think discipline is that which helps you and addiction is that which is hurting you. Yeah, right? that's true. It's so just it's a like, different way of control. And sometimes discipline takes um more work than addiction does. Yeah, no. <laughs> At least it feels like it. But you can also build up some momentum and like yeah, I it's yeah. I, so I don't. I mean, maybe there's aspects of it that where it blurs the line of addiction slash discipline. I think we've all felt that when we're like, if you're like really strict on any kind of plan, you're like, I can't. I have to do. But then, you know what? There's if it's helping you, 
then maybe it's not a total total bad total thing. bad thing. I mean, yeah, I've been on a candida cleanse for like a week, and I fell off the wagon last night because. Uh-huh. And which oh, and a I, what cleanse? Candida. It's a very strict diet because uh-huh. allegedly there's like a bacteria overgrowth that can cause a lot of that a lot of people have, and it causes a lot of adverse effects. Like, like the thing I'm trying to work on is autoimmune issues. I have an I have rheumatoid arthritis. It's mm-hmm. allegedly incurable, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, I want to be like, let's fucking see. But I have such, it's so hard to discipline myself with food. But I made it a week, which was very huge for me, and it's like vegetables. Non-starchy vegetables mm-hmm. only. So, like, leafy greens and clean meats, and that's pretty much it. And that is fucking awesome. yeah. a struggle. So I did a week, but I, I wanted to go a month. I fell off last night because I had a drink for a show where you're supposed to be drunk and mm-hmm. then had a burrito. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not, like, ashamed of it, but it's just there was a point to this, and I fucking derailed. A discipline, um, addiction. Oh, yeah, just, like, the act of discipline. It can be hard, but then when you do start to feel or see the results of your work. Yes. Is but then with f- foods, my slippery slope with that, where I'm like, well, how long till like, is it, it is me eating this healthy ever going to come natural for me, or is it always going to be so obsessive that I'm teetering on some sort of yeah disordered eating yeah with like the obsessing over I can't have that I can't have this and like it consumes so much of my mind it's just a new place <sighs> to put anxiety yeah. anyway no, that's yeah. a whole it's all resonating really hard yeah it's like this, that's yeah. a whole other podcast well this is why I love you oversharing on the internet because <laughs> it's I can just vicariously be like oh my god yes that's me well and that's that's what I like to do with comedy is like the, the when I realize the more I share the more people were like because sometimes I share going, is this crazy? Because so, there are so many things I do that I, and I think some of it stems from a specific type of emotional abuse I endured that like my, and or maybe it's just normal that my immediate instinct is always, I'm crazy. But then being able to go like, I do this. Is that fucking crazy? And having people go, oh God, no, I do the same thing. And it is. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, that's just human nature. Yeah. Oh, this is good. This feels good. Yeah. But um, awesome. We've been going for an hour. I don't know how long. Yeah, we can wrap up. I want to ask really quick yeah. about the pr- the process of yes. divinity. Um, so the process of divinity. What a phrase. So at what point? So when were you like, okay, I need to make um, like the what is it like the bureaucratical move on the like oh, I need yeah. to do the get I need ordained. to do the paperwork stuff right. to get to where I want to go. Uh, like early 2018. 2018. And at that point, did you already know that you, you was the religion you wanted to Yeah. I pretty that much within? crystallized that aspect. And so, um, yeah. So to be a Unitarian Universalist minister, they're very similar requirements to a lot of the mainline Protestant ministers, which means you have to get a three year master of divinity degree Okay. from, um, an accredited theological school. Are there a lot of those? There's a whole lot of seminaries out there um, that a lot of them are associated with specific traditions um, or specific religions. Right. Um, but they, they also don't make you don't have to be a member of that one. OK. Um, and so I applied to a bunch of them. And then I almost di- I um, feel it's crazy for me to say I'm going to Harvard Divinity because that's, that's not really, so crazy. I didn't really, you know, as a public school person, public yeah, like school, I never thought that like Harvard was a thing I would do. Hell no. It's never crossed my mind. Um, and I almost didn't apply because they have, like they have to they require you to take the GRE, which is um, unusual for a divinity uh, school. Right. And they even were like, it's not super important, but we have to require it. It's just it's Harvard. And so <laughs> I was, and I was almost my own level of like imposter syndrome was like, oh, well, it's probably a waste of time. 
Maybe I'm not going to get into Harvard. Right. But I was like, fuck it. I'm going to kick myself forever if I don't at least try. So I, I at least tried and I was able to get in. That was fucking awesome. That's amazing. Um, and what's, what I love about Harvard is that it's a, um, it's not, it's a multi-religious divinity school, which is not super usual. There's so a, it's not like, they don't lean toward any specific religion. No, they they do actually have Unitarian history and roots. Originally, Harvard College was to train That's Unitarian comforting. ministers um, back in the centuries ago. But um, yeah, so it's they, you also take classes alongside people who are there totally just studying it academically, studying religion academically. Yeah, no, I like students and stuff. That's a thing that, and then um, astrophysics. I feel like are two things. If I just had the free time and the money to just enroll in courses, mm-hmm. I would, I would want to learn, just, to just to soak up that information. I, yeah, I mean, I'm excited from that that point too. And one of my uh, future professors said, like, the problem you're going to run into is that there's going to be more interesting classes than you have time. And you have time for. You have time for. And I re- I've already even looking at the like course catalog. I already feel like that's true. But um, and, and what's what's nice too is that again, I will be around people who are not who are a lot of atheists, a lot of people who are just like studying it as like a sociological thing. Yeah. But I'm also going to be around people who are like genuine practitioners of like all these different big believers and yeah, like in all kinds of different religions. Oh, and um, you're going to just get to like have discourse with these people of so many different religions, which yeah, is, I'm, and I'm excited for that. I'm really that's so that. exciting. So yeah. it's a three year program, mm-hmm. three years. And I think I already asked this sort of, but just for clarity, were you in your religion were you already in Unitarian Universalism? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when you had the thought, oh, I would like to be a min, I think I, I'm being called to be a minister. Or were you, did you already have the calling and were sort of trying to figure out where you could take that directionally? I kind of think they, they simultaneously okay. rose. Um, I definitely sort of was feeling, like, I was feeling independently that Unitarian Universalism makes the most sense for me personally, but also... I was feeling a call to some, I, I knew I, like I, I became more and more um, kind of aligned with this feeling that I needed to do some kind of work in spirituality professionally Yeah. with my life. I just feel like that's where my, I feel like the circumstances of my life have sort of like led me here to more or less like between being, again, seeing a guy make uh you know chairs of jesus yeah you just sort of yeah <laughs> jesus chairs, jesus chairs. Yeah. Like, it makes sense everything sort of like ushered you this direction so like and i, I in did its own I, way. I, I did actually reflect on my dad's career too a lot of it like i you know he's a he's a fucking great guy he's just really one of the nicest thank gen- goodness and like because you hear about these these bad pastors oh, I, you, you do but like and i can it's hard to like totally uh sell people on this maybe if you don't but like with watching him growing up like seeing what he he's definitely a different a way different person not in church because he's like you know he's he has he's an not introvert on. he's not yeah. he's not on but like i also know his heart was a hundred he was always like genuinely committed to like the the things he talks yeah, about. yeah none of none of what he was saying was like bsing or like going through the motions it's like exactly this is a man who believes what he's saying and he wa- he feels compelled to share it with people and he's like just one of the most loving like dudes out there like it's it's crazy so i was really inspired by yeah, like, that's why you shouldn't do stand up your dad's <laughs> loving <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah well I, but <laughs> i was kidding. like no i know i know <laughs> um, but i was like i could do a lot worse than just 
being a community leader than just, you know, just being a community yeah, leader. Yeah, than just leading a community with love. There's a lot of responsibility that goes into that that I'm, like, starting to sort of feel a little bit of the... Is there, like, pressure there of... There's some pressure. I mean, I even in the, my... I was involved in two different churches here in Pasadena, and even, like, there was... I even noticed a shift in myself of being... It's People look at you differently, and you look at yourself differently when you're like, oh, I'm going to be like i'm planning to become a pastor you know, yeah so especially in la like, i yeah. feel like saying that to some people they're probably like huh yeah. there's i mean people have this stigmatized version of christianity in their head too and, like, and it's not even all stigma but like people are like people start being like oh you're like this that's awesome like they i mean maybe some, not everybody but maybe some people look up to you in a certain no way. i do i think it's i, I think but that's it's, awesome that it's like that's very powerful and brave until like want to put yourself in a position where you're you know trying to sort of help people find like share wisdom in a way that helps people understand their own yeah stuff is like but it's weird when you don't necessarily you're not over identifying with that role like people see you as that role yeah and you're like but i'm still just me like i'm a yeah i wonder if people like start withdrawing like how they like speak to you or like the same thing when like having a conversation with a therapist yeah. where you're like, don't want to say too much. Cause they're probably psychoanalyzing me. <laughs> so people talking to you being like, I bet he's like, what a sinner. But you know, like a good therapist, like I would think uh, it'll, if I'm doing my job right, people will feel the opposite and feel like they can tell me anything. Yeah. And that's they feel I, comforted. really what I want anybody to feel. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it. Any closing thoughts? Where can people find you? Uh, choose your own religion.com is the, podcast and uh, instagram stuff and yeah um we're doing uh what's cool is that even though i'm leaving los angeles we're doing bi-monthly live storytelling shows that are kind of like the moth storytelling shows oh, but awesome. just about religious and spirituality stories oh i love this so we're doing those in pasadena neighborhood unitarian universalist church uh if you're in the pasadena area you, you know check out that church check out troop unitarian there's a couple there's a lot of great uu churches uh, yeah but also don't don't ha- you don't have to check out a UU church if you don't want to. That's making me a bad pastor, a bad evangelist. I think you saying you don't have to is making you a good maybe, UU pastor. I don't, I don't know. I really I hope people just think about finding a spiritual community. I love that. Uh, thanks for doing this. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. There you have it. Joe Welker, Unitarian Universalist Ministry. Uh, what a great guy. If you like the podcast, subscribe, rate, review it on iTunes. Share it with your friends because everybody's a little bit ignorant sometimes. Big thank you to John, Jean, Greg, Kathy, and Terry, exclusive members of the League of Extraordinary Idiots on my Patreon. You guys help keep these episodes flowing. You keep my brain going and adding more questions, and I enjoy our banter on the interwebs and in the Patreon and our Google Chats. If you want to enjoy the League of Extraordinary Idiots and all those benefits, uh, patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. Join at a different level. You can get postcards you can get bonus content i'm about to do a bonus episode will i talk about the list i made about finding a perfect partner based on my episode with lace will i just talk shit about every government official taking away abortion rights who knows could be fun and i answer fun questions when you guys send them um bless podcast on twitter if you want to follow a twitter account for pretty much no reason um i'll try to be better about that but i'm probably lying to myself and you guys 
Please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. Um, if you want to put a face to all the voices, ignorance is blessed on Instagram. Follow that. Um, if you have additional questions for Joe or any of my guests, do you want to suggest a topic or a guest? Hit me up on the Facebook group is the best way to do it. Ignorance is blessed idiots. Uh, you don't have to pay to join that. You just join. It's a safe space for unsafe questions. You can share those dark, ignorant thoughts you have or just stupid thoughts you have. Um, we can have a discourse or we can just be there to share. Um, and you can uh, <clears throat> suggest the guests you want. You can also uh, email ignoranceisblessedpodcast at gmail.com. No spaces, no hashtags, suggestions, questions, whatever you want. And I will always do my best to deliver everything I can. You can follow me at JMS Comedy, facebook.com slash JMS Comedy, jmscomedy.com for more information on my whereabouts and my projects. <sighs> Keep asking questions. The more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.